Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Ben Craven and today I'm joined by our Executive Director, Dr. Oliver Hartwich. Oliver, hello. Hi Ben. Oliver, you recently published a column for the New Zealand Herald titled Social Insurance Lessons from Germany. It continues a bit of a theme for the New Zealand Initiative. Uh, We recently had a uh, research note out, Unemployment Insurance, a Recipe for More Unemployment. It was very critical of the scheme overseas. The New Zealand government is looking at introducing a similar scheme here. Uh, What we know about that already is that it's likely to be an extra 3 to 4% on top of income tax. What else do we know about uh, the government's proposal? Well, the government actually sees this as a legacy project. They want to change the way the welfare state is organised in New Zealand. And what they want to offer with this scheme is a scheme where people know that when they become unemployed, they can have maybe 80% of the salary for, say, six months, maybe longer. We don't quite know the details of the scheme yet. But it's basically a system that will give an extra safety net for people losing their jobs. And that sounds positive. That sounds like a um, very compassionate um, program. The problems are not just economic. The problems are political. Aren't they always? What what can New Zealanders learn about this social unemployment insurance or social insurances more, more generally? What's the German experience been like? Well, as I argue in my Herald column, I think we can learn quite a bit from Germany because Germany is the first country that introduced such schemes back in the late 19th century. So part of my Herald column is a history lesson. And I try to explain where this whole idea of social insurance, not just unemployment insurance, social health insurance, social accident insurance, social old age care insurance, where all of this comes from. And I trace it back to the time of, believe it or not, Otto von Bismarck. It's going back a fair way. Yeah, it's going back a fair way. It takes us back into the late 1870s, early 1880s. And um, it takes a bit of a history lesson, unfortunately, but I think it also has a lot of lessons to teach us. So maybe let me just explain the historical background to all of these schemes. So, of course, the late 19th century, it was for Germany the time of industrialization. It was the time after the Communist Manifesto of 1848. It was a time of rising Marxism. The first labor parties and social democratic parties appeared in Europe and the workers' movement basically got off. And um, that was a time when Bismarck was chancellor. Bismarck was, of course, a monarchist. He was a conservative chancellor. He was the chancellor who first united Germany in 1871, and he served uh, the Kaiser and uh, served Imperial Germany. And that is the historical background we're talking about. And a threat to the monarchy, a threat to the empire, at least from Bismarck's perspective, was this growing social democratic movement. These workers um, in factories in the big cities at the time of industrialization that now grouped together, organized, established the SPD, the Social Democratic Party, Germany's version of labor. And um, there was a great degree of suspicion from the establishment, so people like Bismarck and the Kaiser, to these young workers organizing themselves in these social democratic clubs. And then there were two assassination attempts actually on the Kaiser at the time. And Bismarck took this as the justification to really fight the social democrats. So he actually made it impossible for them to publish magazines. He confiscated their property. So there was a big war really by the 
Prussian state, by the German state against the Social Democrats, fighting these new worker movements. But at the same time, he also tried to woo the workers and say, well, actually, you don't have to go to these Marxists and socialists. Here is the Prussian state, the German state, and we are going to do something for you. And so Bismarck tried a double strategy. On the one hand, fighting their organizations, fighting the Marxists, fighting the socialists, and on the other hand, actually trying to offer them something where they can see the state is here for us, the state is caring for us. And the second component of Bismarck's strategy, that was social security. So Bismarck started to introduce social insurances. And he started old age care, he started accident compensation, he started a healthcare insurance policy, and he really established a German social security state. And believe it or not, this has lasted. It has lasted the test of time. It's still with us 140 years later. It has lasted, um, well, it has actually survived two world wars. The system that Bismarck put in place is still the core, really, of the German welfare state until today. That's absolutely incredible. You can have the country blown to bits a few times, completely impoverished and destroyed, but somehow social insurance can survive. Okay, now coming back to the government's proposal, they said it's going to be an additional tax of 3 to 4% on people's income. That's going to sting for a lot of people. My question to you is, given Germany's experience, how likely is it that this additional tax stays at 3 to 4%? Can we expect it to stay that low? I think the German experience suggests the opposite. In Germany, of course, under Bismarck, the welfare state started relatively modestly too. Just one example. When old age care insurance was introduced, it promised a pension from the time people reached 70. Well, the average life expectancy at birth at the time for men in Germany was 37. Okay, there was probably some infant mortality, but very few people would have lived to 70, especially not if they were factory workers, and very few people, even if they reached 70, would have survived another 10 or 20 years as they do today. So very few people actually reached a pension age. So you can see that this scheme wasn't that expensive. It was political. It was sending a signal to workers, just as Bismarck intended. But over time, the system grew. So something that sounded off quite modestly, a bit like what we're trying to do here with unemployment insurance, you know, 3-4% of extra tax on income, I mean, who would complain? But it has grown massively in Germany and they've added components to the social insurance system over time. The latest one actually in the 1990s, and we can talk about that later, old age care insurance. And so when you look at it today and you just try to figure out how much tax and how much social security um, tax do Germans have to pay on an average income. The figures are quite stark and I have actually calculated this for my column in the Herald. So basically take an average German income earner. I looked it up. The current average salary for full-time employment in Germany is about 47,000 euros. So out of that um, people would pay income tax as in New Zealand probably a little bit lower than in New Zealand, but they would also pay social security contributions. And once you take all of that off, the social security contributions are higher than the income tax, and it would only leave just under 30,000 euros net income. Now that sounds not too good by New Zealand standards. Actually, on the same kind of salary, New Zealanders would take home about 20% more than their German counterparts. But wait, it gets worse. Because it's not just what the employees pay in social security contributions, the employers 
pay an equal amount of social security contributions themselves, which do not actually qualify as part of the official salary, they're on top of it. So I calculated this through, and basically for the average salary in Germany, it looks like this. It's um, almost 60,000 euros as total wage costs to the employer, out of which the employee only sees 47,000 as a gross salary, and out of that, only about 29,000 euros is the net salary that actually they, they receive towards the end. Right, so a large component of the, these social insurances seems to be these hidden taxes with employers. Exactly. So um, unbelievable, but for a kind of normal, average German full-time income earner, the amount of taxes and social security contributions, both on the employer and the employee side, Together, it's about 50%. So about 50% of your salary, if you're an average income earner, disappears. It's, it's gone. It is with the social security system and with tax, of course. That's absolutely incredible. So you mentioned that this money ends up with the social security system. When, when do Germans get to see it? Does it just kind of sit there gathering dust or accumulating? Hmm. Well, that would be better, actually. <laughs> but that would be much better if it at least accumulated some interest, for example. But no, this is a system that is pay-as-you-go. So one generation pays for the previous generation. And this has been like that since 1957. Um, back then, Chancellor Adenauer changed the system from that he basically inherited from Bismarck. Bismarck at least had a capital for formation idea, but um, Adenauer changed it into one generation paying for the predecessor when it comes to old age pensions. And um, yeah, it's, it's expensive, as we um, just discussed. And um, it is not sustainable if a um, population ages, if it doesn't have that many children anymore. And so there's a massive demographic change problem for Social Security as well which is one of the reasons why, for example, in the federal budget in Berlin, the um, subsidies paid towards the old age pension are now the biggest chunk of the budget. Wow. I mean, we're seeing something similar with this in New Zealand already with our own superannuation scheme, uh, where people feel as though they've paid into, into the scheme their whole lives and are now reaping the benefits in retirement. Um, but obviously, it's current taxpayers paying for pensions. It's pay uh, as you go. Exactly, exactly. So what you're saying is that these additional social security schemes would be more of what we've got with super. Yes, and at the same time, of course, once you have these enormous amounts of money in play, politicians will probably try to have some say over them. And again, you can see this in German history. You just go back to the time of unification, 1990, Helmut Kohl, Chancellor then needed money. He um, didn't have it and he found it in the social security pot. So actually, for example, he invited East German pensioners into the West German pension system. They had never contributed, but now they basically had to be paid out of the common pot. And Kohl actually used the money from the West German system to pay for part of his unification plan. We can also see how the politics work out in the introduction, I think, of the last new addition to social security in Germany. It was old age care, not old age pension. Old age pension has been there since Bismarck, but old age care is a completely different security system introduced in the 1990s. And the idea was if you are elderly and you need care, typically you would have to pay for the care yourself. Right, okay. Well, just imagine you're the son or daughter of, of elderly parents and suddenly your elderly parents need some care. Well, that 
basically goes at your expense because it takes the money off your future estate, right? Makes sense, yes. So um, the political idea was to have this covered by Social Security. And that made it a very attractive proposition for the baby boomer generations because they no longer had to see their um, inheritances shrink and somebody else took care of that. At the same time, the political problem was introducing it because, as I explained earlier, in Germany it is employers and employees paying jointly for these insurance schemes. Now, employers said, well, hang on, actually these um, extra wage costs are quite substantial already. They go against our competitiveness and they make us uncompetitive internationally. So what can we do? And guess what? The German government then said, well, actually, we are going to abolish a public holiday. What? <laughs> yes, there was a, um, a prayer day, um, a very traditional public holiday. The, West, the, the German government said, well, let's just abolish this holiday to compensate employers for their contribution to this new element of social security. And this way, um, you don't have an extra cost because you're also getting something in return. And of course, employees still had to pay. And that's the way this um, old age care insurance was introduced. So wow. you can see how politicized the system becomes once you have a social security apparatus in place. Well, so it sounds like as soon as you get the first component of social security, um, there's going to be more and more added to it. It's going to get very, very complicated. What are the main lessons that New Zealanders listening to this podcast can take away from the German experience, Oliver? Well, I think the first lesson is actually once you introduce such a scheme, it will survive. I mean, Germany had two world wars um, and a few other complications along the way and still you know, almost 140 years after Bismarck, the system is still in place. So once you have introduced it, it is really hard to get out of it. Even if you realize in the future the system causes a lot of problems, you will struggle to ever get out of it because people think, okay, we've paid into this now and therefore the system owes us something. So it is really difficult to unwind this. The next thing is these systems grow. Um, they grow over time. They start quite modestly. You might only pay 3 or 4% of income into these schemes. And yet, over time, you will see that politicians find new ways of adding things to it. In the future, unemployment insurance might pay for maternity, for example. And that's the next lesson. Politicians will always find ways in which they can utilize Social Security for their own pet projects. Mm. So these schemes grow over time. And then the fourth problem is, of course, it becomes political, where previously we had a welfare system with a relatively narrowly defined task. In the future, this social security apparatus might actually do all sorts of things, and it will be a political football. And when I look at all of that, and when I take the German experience into account, and I really ask myself, is that what New Zealand wants? We've got a relatively well-functioning, narrowly defined welfare state. It's doing its job. It could do better. We could have a an investment approach that Bill English talked about to make it function better and to intervene earlier. But what this government is trying to do now is something completely different. It wants to have a, an additional layer of social security on top of the welfare system. And as all experience internationally shows, over time this morphs into a completely separate layer of bureaucracy, a new tier of government and a very expensive one. And I think rather than going down that path, we should stop right here and say, no, this is not what we want. Seems like we've got a pretty good system at the moment. Um, can't see any reason for changing it. Dr. Oliver Hartwich, thanks so much for joining us. If you would like to read 
Oliver's op-ed in the New Zealand Herald. It's titled Social Insurance Lessons from Germany. And our most recent research note on this topic is called Unemployment Insurance, a Recipe for More Unemployment. Dr. Oliver Hartwich, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. To stay up to date with our latest research, opinions and events, sign up to our weekly insights newsletter at nzinitiative.org.nz.